This is Cole. Learn how to tell stories in logic. My God. <laughs> You're so, this is so hard. And this is Ron. Yes. I hate your guts. Oh, that's a lie. That's a lie right there. Oh, desperation is a stinky cologne. We are the creative team. Oh, my God. I quit. Well, it's the big hole. Did you really just book that? <laughs> Michael Jordan and The Undertaker. Uh, in your face. One of them has 30 years, and the other one is just Michael Jordan. Woo! Welcome back to another exciting episode of... Oh! The Creative Team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team. I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how the heck are you today, bud? Oh, it is chaotic. It is demolition in Ron's house. I'm having work done to the castle, and uh, I am. Uh, you're going to be hearing a lot of noise, uh, but if it's if my talent is worth anything, you might not hear any noise, because I will uh, do my best to edit it out, unless I'm talking while it's happening, like, clearly. Um... <laughs> Just know that there's always a lot of banging going on at uh, Ron's house. Yes, sir. Uh, Mrs. Kilborn is uh, an absolute knockout, so I I, uh, I imagine there's all kinds of banging going on at the Kilborn home. A repeat customer. <laughs> Hasn't got sick of you yet, right? <laughs> That's what I keep saying about my wife. Uh, in a couple months, we will be celebrating 16 years married, So, uh, but she hasn't gotten sick of me yet, so it's a good day. Uh, so, uh, piggybacking on your just letting people know, letting our fans know what's going on today. We have a little bit of a programming alert here. Um, we promised the eighties bracket and you still are going to get that ladies and gentlemen. However, uh, two weeks ago, uh, I reached out, excuse me, two weeks ago, I reached out to one genius Lanny Poffo, uh, to participate in the eighties bracket. And he agreed to do so, which is awesome. Fantastic news. We have a real live eighties wrestler to talk about eighties wrestling with us and break down who the best wrestler of the eighties was. However, he was not able to record with us before, you know, now so that we could get this episode out to you on time. So we're going to call an audible. And we're going to bump up the schedule a little bit. We're going to do top 10 today. Uh, so another top 10 coming your way. And uh, we're just going to push it back a week. And then we're going to bring you the 80s bracket with the genius Lanny Poffo. So, Ronald, how are you feeling about this? It's a great pivot. You know, I if we're going to have a schedule switch, it's going to be for, for a star like Lanny Poffo, who we have adored on this show and uh, had uh, shared yes. our memories with. Uh, he he took time out of his day to basically mentor a group of kids all day. Right. Two of us being two of them, and uh, and I'm I'm honored to take a leap of faith <laughs> and uh, and uh, postpone our '80s bracket for a great top ten. Top ten today is going to be top ten raw moments, which was going to follow our '80s bracket. I'm excited because I love raw. Raw's been a big part of my life since I was a child, so I'm excited to talk about. The greatest moments in raw history. Cole, do you have your list ready? I know it was kind of a chore to kind of, you know, shove this into our timeline earlier than expected, but I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go? Uh, yes, I am. You know, and surprisingly for me, um, there have been 1,500 episodes of Raw now 
at this point in life. So it was surprising to me that this list was actually easier for me than you might think, because for 25-ish years and 1,500 episodes, probably, you know, close to 4,000 hours of Monday Night Raw in moments, you would think this would be an impossible top, you know, top 10 list to come. But for me, I think my top 10 list just kind of really shines a light on how uneventful the last 20 years of WWE television has been. So, Which is incredibly uh, how... unfair to say because you don't watch the product. <laughs> so already your, your dumbass argument collapses on itself <laughs> because if you're not watching the product, you're not going to be aware of any top 10s you can put on your no. list. Oh, no, no. There, there, are, there are a handful, not a handful, there's a couple that are more recent. Absolutely a couple few that are more recent. Um, but... I mean, it's impossible to avoid the news when something actually great happens on Monday Night Raw. And I think we're entering an era where there's going to be great moments on Monday Night Raw again. I think for the last couple weeks, just even a couple weeks of Triple H taking over, um, Raw has been exciting and interesting. And there's been builds and packages and the story of structure has made sense. And it's been, you know actually enjoyable to watch the three hours of monday night raw so i think we're headed to another golden era of monday night raw oh and we're heading to another golden era of top 10 debauchery in the creative team sir i'm excited to get this list going uh you know raw is a plethora of moments raw yes. has had so many years under its belt and, you know, I'm, I'm actually shocked that you haven't hinted at the fact of what kind of list I'm going to throw at you today. Um, <laughs> well, you're the one who just brought up debauchery, so... <laughs> well, I mean, anything we do on this show is debauchery. I mean, clearly. I mean, this is, this is one of those great lists where... Um, anything can happen! <laughs> yes, anything could happen, and you could very easily uh, slip one over on, on me and our listeners... Um, but even if you did a top 10, like, let's say most insane and a little bit silly moments of raw, they'd all be incredibly memorable moments and just absolutely <laughs> fantastic things that are still talked about to this day. So I think either way you go with this list, it's going to be an entertaining, uh, you know, 45 minutes here with the creative team. So. Are you ready to get started? Absolutely. You know, I think last week uh, you went first. I think I'll take the reins this time just to kind of prove that I'm on the up and up with this list. And my number 10 is a doozy. Uh, I think it's probably the most recent uh, raw moment I have on here. Uh, but this was one of those situations where it really hit home and it really swerved me, bro. Uh, but I'm calling this the Festival of Friendship. Oh, yes. The main story at the time was Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens just stealing Raw every week. They were the best of friends and all that jazz. And then Goldberg comes out of nowhere and is about to ruin everyone's day and take the title off of Kevin Owens. But before that, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho had what they called the Festival of Friendship. Festival of Friendship. And we had a Game of Thrones-like scenario where Kevin Owens just completely destroys Chris Jericho. The audience is crying the, the people at home are shocked, and it was one of those moments that I didn't see coming that I still remember. It was the most recent 
I think it was the last thing that I really like was got on when when it comes to Raw. And uh, so I'm using that as a solid number 10 for this list. And that's great. This is one of those things I did actually see. Like I said, when something really great happens in professional wrestling, it's impossible for me to not at least hear about it and check it out. Uh, this is one of those great segments. It's definitely one of the more recent segments that hit home that was really great. Um, it also was the segment, I think, that led up to Chris Jericho leaving WWE because this segment, this whole run, really, was an absolute home run of Jericho and Kevin Owens being best friends and doing the whole thing. Absolute home run. Should have led to a WrestleMania big-time match, one of the you know co-main events, whatever. And it ended up being, what, second? Wasn't it like the second match on Mania? The match was supposed to be for the title, and then they just uh, hit, yeah. hit the Goldberg glass because they felt like it was needed. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then uh, it turned out to, well, I mean, we did get that second Brock uh, and Goldberg match, which was great, but a full-on. But, but a full, it, didn't, it didn't need a title in no, any way, shape, or form a, whatsoever. A full-on year story capped off at WrestleMania for a title between two Canadians that were friends is pretty awesome, but they made it match two. But not only a full-year storyline you know, that, that capped off, a, a great storyline, something that was well done. One of the few things in the last 20 years that got buzz and had fans talking about it, and I think led to a bump in ratings for that duration. So I don't understand, you know, sometimes Vince McMahon. So, that's again, I'm hoping we're headed for another golden age of Monday Night Raw, but yet solid number 10 entry, Ronald. So my number 10, I think this was like the first kind of big memorable moment of Monday Night Raw. It was a shocking, you know, it was absolutely a shocker when it happened, um, but it it kicked off somebody's career and led to a lot of very, uh, you know, just great matches and a, a phenomenal 25-year career for one Sean Waltman. So my number 10, Razor Ramon losing to the one two three kid Ooh. I love this storyline. I love the $10,000 match, too, where one two three kid just fucking steals the money and bucks off. <laughs> oh, it was so good. I, 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 I discovered that match on a Coliseum home video. But, yeah, it's a classic storyline of just, like, a guy having nothing but enhancement matches, and then all of a sudden the rook, the ne what you would perceive as the next enhancement talent just wins. Like, it was, yeah. like, it was a big deal. Like, it, and... Uh, and I think it's an angle that can work today if they just like commit to it. It's just well, and it was great too because like not only was uh they were they building up Kid as kind of a job, you know, the next enhancement talent, whatever. Um, they were searching like he was the Kamikaze Kid, he was the Lightning Kid, like he, they they kept changing his name, and then he got the win on over Razor, who was just the consummate heel at the time, and, and really. Uh, you know, played the I'm taking this kid super light, you know, way too lightly shit heel character. And I and this also led to just a great babyface turn for Razor Ramon, where he ended up respecting kid when this was all in, but it also named him the one, two, three kid. So amazing. And yeah, it, it it's an angle that turned into a gimmick for a wrestler that propelled him to the next level. Wrestling. That's wrestling. Wrestling. Yes. Uh, and speaking of wrestling, which is, the, you know, our show, uh, my number nine. This was something, as someone who followed the Monday Night Wars, was like, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. 
I couldn't I couldn't tell if this was real or not. And you know, stories will dictate later that it was real. And you know, it it's so crazy to look back and see it. And it's crazy to put myself back in my shoes at that time and and just love that feeling. I miss that feeling of just like, what am I watching? This is crazy. But I'm talking about DX invading Nitro. It was a whole um, string of a story throughout the episode of Raw, and I just thought it was so cool that DX was like interviewing fans outside of Nitro, asking them if they p- actually purchased their ticket. Like, no, these are comped. I got them for free. And uh, <laughs> the the fake uh, the fake explosion, them going to the office building, and uh, saying, "Oh, this is where the big boys play," because it's literally the size of an office. Uh, like, it, it, it's it's so good. But yeah, great television classic attitude era moment and it had to look like such a blast to do and they were doing this like guerrilla warfare style no permits just take a camera take a crew and just go and run amok this is like the 90s version of fucking youtube prankers and it's added (laughs) and it was so much fun brings me back to a great time solid entry solid entry um we'll talk about it again later oh look at that Oh, so my number nine, and and because this one, this is one of those bittersweet kind of memories looking back, because when this happened, it was the most spectacular thing anyone had ever seen. And since this happened, uh, it's been that people have been attempting to recreate this moment for 25 years now at this point. And of course, I'm talking about the Austin beer truck incident where Stone Cold Steve Austin drives a beer truck to the ring and hoses down the McMahons and the, the uh, you know, and Pat Patterson and Briscoe. It's a fantastic visual, and uh, it was really innovative and just something crazy. This is really one of the first moments on Raw where we're like, whoa, holy shit, literally anything could happen. We have no idea. I have to watch this show every week. And uh, it it just kicked off an era of Monday Night Raw that is just absolutely unforgettable. And I mean, inarguably, even from someone who didn't like the Attitude Era, this is inarguably the greatest era of professional wrestling television we've ever seen. So, Absolutely. And I'm just going to be quick about this. My number eight is Stone Cold's Beer Bath. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah, I, I have this moment, like, tattooed in my brain. It was one of the funnest things I've ever seen. This and the Zamboni was, like, neck and neck for me, but I, I went with the beard bath because the visual of Vince swimming out of the beer. Yes. is It just goes to show that Vince just has, like, the best comedic timing of every of any performer just because he knows what he wants for the product. And I always, like, I always like to point out that, you know, even though – talent today and we can go down a rabbit hole on this but i won't but even talent today who hates their creative motherfucker he ain't gonna put you through anything that he ain't gonna put through himself the dude's pissed himself on tv <laughs> he's he's gotten his ass kicked he's uh in a, in a hospital gown and he's gotten a, a hose shoved up his ass i think yeah. i think the creative control thing can be a little uh it's it's a slippery slope especially considering that the guy put himself with way more hell <laughs> yeah, no, he got his got his face shoved in Rikishi's ass. Yes. Like, I mean, he did. Vince McMahon was absolutely not afraid whatsoever to make himself look like a complete asshole. Like there was no no you know quarrels with him 
that he felt like, oh, well, I have, I'm the boss, so I have to be, you know. No, he was doing every idiotic thing you could ever think of, looking like a total goof on national television. And it's just, it's, this era, is it, it, for as bad as the in-ring product was, the moments that we got during the Attitude Era of Monday Night Raw are just incredible. And, I mean, frankly, this top ten list is going to be full of a lot of those moments. So. Oh, yeah, there's nothing match-related on my list. I'll just give you that. I have two matches because they're absolutely incredible, and one of them is coming right now. My number eight Eddie Guerrero versus Rob Van Dam ladder match on Monday Night Raw. For oh. my money, in my opinion, the greatest ladder match of all time. Well, the best. It's not greater than Sean and Razor because that's, you know, holds a special place in history. But this is one where a fan tried to get in the ring and, and Eddie, Eddie absolutely fucking kicked. levels his ass. <laughs> it's so fucking great. That's the first thing that popped in my head when you brought it up. I was like, yes. oh, that bald jersey fucking idiot coming coming in and tipping the ladder over, which is really dangerous. That's the furthest yes. I've ever yes. seen a fan I succeed at anything, except for maybe the recent Seth Rollins thing. But this yes. this could have been career ending. Yeah, it were the fan was able to, only able to get that far because everyone was so focused on what was going on on top of the ladder. And I do believe this match features a sunset flip powerbomb yes. off the ladder. It's insane. It's this so match good. is absolutely incredible. I it for it's my favorite ladder match of all the times, and it just happened on Monday Night Raw, ladies and gentlemen. Phenomenal so match. Go out of your way to see it. Absolutely. Um Boy, uh, my, my number seven, you know, Stone Cold is going to be a pretty big theme in this list. You know, I mean, he's he's the main character of the greatest era in television when it comes to yeah, wrestling. I've got I've got I've got two. <laughs> OK, good, good. And this this is probably my favorite episode of Raw. I've talked about it a couple of times because I love when I love when Raw's have like one consistent story throughout the whole show. And this is kind of cheesy, but I don't care. But this is at the peak of Austin versus McMahon. They clearly hate each other. But there's a subplot going on where the Undertaker kidnaps Stephanie McMahon, and Vince has Vince is just a worried ass father. He has no idea what to do, so he goes and asks Stone Cold for help while they're in the middle of hating each other. And Stone Cold, in in you know so many words, tells him to fuck off and like screw you. Like you know after everything that we've been through, I'm not helping you. I don't care if it's your daughter. And then like there's like little segments throughout the episode where like. There's a part where Stone Cold walks by Big Show, and Big Show's just kind of looking at him, shaking his head. He's like, what the hell are you looking at? And he's like, hey, man, it's the guy's daughter. And he's like, I don't give a damn who she is. And then he walks away, and you can see Stone Cold toying with this decision. Like, all right, I probably shouldn't. The, the little girl doesn't have to suffer through all this. And then finally, at the last minute, Stone Cold comes out and breaks up the big evil wedding and just demolishes all of the ministry. And then you go off the air with with Vince McMahon hugging Stephanie and just thanking Stone Cold while they're like awkwardly staring at each other. Awesome storytelling. One of my favorite Attitude Era moments. And this is one I'm gonna have to go back and review it after this. I've already got a note. I've already got a list going of stuff that I'm gonna of of raw episodes and matches that I need to watch. You know, because I I did do this is one where I did do a deep dive in the a little bit. Well, in the time that we had since we. 
you know, last minute change the schedule. You mean the whole and, 18 hours we yeah, had yes, to put this yeah, together? <laughs> yes. And so, but I did do, I always like to, when we do the top tens, you know, because one of the first top 10 lists, as we've joked about many times, was the masked wrestlers list. And I didn't do a deep dive and I forgot one of my literally three favorite masked wrestlers of all time. Not just masked so, wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, he's one of yeah, one of my top ten favorite wrestlers ever, Ultimo Dragon. And I just completely left him off my list. And so I don't do that anymore. I make sure I check other people's lists just to see. And um, so I have a list going of stuff I'm going to watch after this. I'm going to have to go back and watch this Austin uh, you know, st- this is uh, The Undertaker. Yeah, Undertaker kidnaps Stephanie the night before at the pay-per-view, and then Austin saves her. And it's fucking... Like, I'm 12, so I'm like, yes! Yeah. I'm just so happy, because it's such a happy ending, and like, you're, yes. you're... It's like, it feels like Game of Thrones writing, where like, you spend this whole time hating this person, but then like, you... You know, you understand him because that's just a father trying to save his daughter. And then they yes. fuck it all up by Vince being the higher power two weeks later. <laughs> uh, it's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. Uh, well, they had to get the heat back. You know, uh, had to get his heat back. God. <laughs> uh, there's some Vince Russo storytelling for you right there. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Uh, my number seven. Now, <clears throat> this is one of those moments that the payoff for this moment ended up being the total drizzling shits, and it was awful, and nothing really came of it. But this was basically, well, not basically, this was the literal end of the Monday Night Wars where Shane McMahon bought WCW. So I, I I just that moment when Vince is going to the ring, he's been just, you know, cocky all night long, like <laughs> I'm gonna buy my competition. And then, you know, he goes there, Shane McMahon live on WCW Nitro, announcing that he in fact was the one who bought WCW because Vince was too cocky, he took his time too much time and all that good stuff. And and it's you know, it's one of the biggest moments in wrestling history that Vince McMahon bought his own competition. But the 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 moment on t- national television where we were simulcasting WWE, you know, uh, uh, Nitro was on Raw. Raw was on Nitro, and that was the end of an era. Um, I think it's just one of the biggest moments in wrestling history, and and super important. So it's number seven on my list. Yeah, that was another one of those moments where I was like, what the hell am I watching? This is I'm right. literally seeing like a time of my life end in front of me. And, yeah. And like a new a whole new adventure beginning because as I stated millions of times, wrestling's all I had. All I have. And when this happened, I I was literally watching one of my shows going away and being absorbed into another show that in my mind had nothing to do with each other but talking shit about each other. So yes. seeing these fused together was a huge moment for me and i i can't really compare it to anything that maybe you may watch uh, in the in the real sports world but it's just it's like it's it was a big moment i i a, a raw moment that i'll never forget yeah absolutely it, it, it's it really is like like watching god it's so hard to like a, a dynasty 
like a sports dynasty dying before your eyes. Like there, there's this team, they've just been, you know, like the Yankees in the nineties or whatever is a team that just dominates. They've won, you know, they, they've won championship after championship. They've been great for, you know, 10 for 10 years. They're just great. And then all of a sudden you're watching a game and you realize it's over. This was the last hurrah for them. And going forward, this team's going to blow up and they're going to be pretty miserable for a couple years. And that's kind of what happened in professional wrestling. Like once WCW was dead, there was a real lull in the business. And even for wrestling fans, I think a little bit of that excitement was gone now that there was no competition. And then, you know, a couple years later, TNA popped up, but it wasn't really competition and it never really rose to that level. And it's been 20, what was that was 2001, right? So it took 20 years for another viable, competitive, you know, organization to run against WWE or WWE. So, um, yeah, it was a huge moment and absolutely the end of an era. Absolutely. And boy, you know, rising up is definitely a good speaking point for my next uh, my next moment, because this was something else that I was like, OK, they're announcing this. They're making a big deal of it. How the hell are they going to pull this off? And they did. And it's cringy. But it was one of the things that I was like looking forward to because, well, 18 year old and. Uh, man. Uh, I'm talking about the live sex celebration between Edge and Lita, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I can't believe that they, they actually followed through with this. This is I, I thought this was going to be like a wedding where, like, you know, obviously someone's going to run in and fuck this up. And, you know, it, it actually happened. But they went really far before they actually, you know, <laughs> uh, had the run in. Like, it, so much so that we saw a titty. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I can't believe that they took it as far as they did. And this I, is post-Attitude Era. Yeah, there was, I mean, there was no reason for Lita to be topless at any point in this thing it, at all. <laughs> like, right? There was no reason. I'm like, you guys know this is, this is working sex, right? You know, we're, we're yeah, working. Right, yeah, we're not, we're not really going to have penetration live on Monday Night Raw, even under the sheets, guys. Like, we don't need to go this far. <laughs> yeah, I mean this this isn't like setting the world on fire. I mean, maybe it might be setting a few crotches on fire, but this was this was a moment and a half and, you know, where 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 else am I going to talk about this moment? Let's talk about it today. <laughs> there it, Edge was kind of the last of he got the last of the attitude era segments moments you know, kind of run. And then that, that was like the official death of, you know, attitude era and ushered in the ruthless aggression, you know, we're moving forward and we're going back to more wrestling type stuff. Yeah. He was so, so hated then too. I think he was the last like perfect heel WWE had. Well, I would go JBL, but I mean, it's right there. Edge or JBL is it. And, 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 and for, as much as I I've always been kind of meh on Edge, this era is where I he won my respect as a performer, um, as far as being a character and being a real heel and being able to get heat. I mean, because it was genuine heat. It wasn't go away heat. Like he, he it, this was really one of the last runs where we had a true top heel that everyone universally hated. 
you know, so exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you that JBL is a better heel, but I'm talking about the last heel. I feel like the last, like, just full on heel was Edge because JBL retired before before Edge. So okay, well, so yeah, I mean, this is where things start to jumble up in my brain as to you know timeline. So if if this is after JBL, then yes, Edge is the last truly great heel. Yeah, definitely. I, I'll and... give you that. Although we may be seeing get we. We may have given birth to the next great, you know, heel in MJF, but he hasn't been on TV in two months, so who knows what the fuck is going on. Well, I'm going to take your next spot because the transition's too good, but speaking of giving birth. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> You're not going to do this to me, are you? <laughs> My number five. <laughs> If I may, <laughs> please don't. Everybody, give me a hand. Oh God damn it! <laughs> Thanks. I'm going with May Young gives birth to Mark Henry's child, the hand. <laughs> Say what you want about this segment, but I I got to attend. I got I had the privilege of attending a Something to Wrestle With Live, and they actually had the writer for this segment on, and he also played the doctor in the segment. And he said that this was the funnest day of his life, and it just happened to be one of the highest-rated segments that Raw's ever produced. You know, it wasn't the highest, oh, no. but oh, it was it, it was high up there. Uh, and, you know, looking back in hindsight, probably shouldn't have happened, but everybody talks about it to this day. <sighs> And my favorite podcast story I've ever heard was Mark Henry walking up to Vince before they started shooting it and asked, Vince, a hand? Why? Like, why are we doing this? And all he said was, it's a hand. And then walks away. (laughs) That explains nothing. (laughs) No. Great television. (laughs) She's going to give you a hand, pal. (laughs) Yeah. And then the audience is going to give us a hand. (laughs) I mean... If this whole this whole angle was is just the perfect this whole epitome. angle yes this whole angle yes is just the epitome of the attitude era like <laughs> within two weeks like <laughs> in a month of time <laughs> sexual chocolate Mark Henry. It becomes enamored with May Young of all people, who was like seventy-five at the time. <laughs> and within a couple of weeks, she announces on national television that she's pregnant, and then two weeks later, gives birth to a hand. <laughs> Vince Russo, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Dave Meltzer, I heard, gave it five fingers. <laughs> five thumbs up so what do you say are we matching on this one uh didn't make my list uh sorry to say but it's uh definitely a memorable moment in the history of monday night raw in the annals of time <laughs> yes in the annals of time <laughs> you did two so i'm gonna do two that's uh, that's fair number six dx invades wcw <laughs> I don't know how you top top giving birth to a hand 
and how we move on the conversation after that. Well, I mean, but... you know, this was DX fisting the competition. Oh, definitely gave them the finger on this night. And oh, god damn it, Ronald! Sometimes it's impossible to do this podcast with you. <laughs> no, that's not true. It's not. It's not just that you pitch that as a top ten moment in raw history. It's it's your face. <laughs> And seeing the pride on your face <laughs> that you're talking about this and trying to put it over like it wasn't a, just a pile of shit that happened on our television. Cole, I'm a classic worker. If I don't believe it, the audience doesn't believe it. That's true. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so, yes, DX invading WCW is great on so many levels because... uh. For the longest time, Vince McMahon and WWF at the time refused to even acknowledge the existence of any other professional wrestling for the most part, 99% of the time. So when WCW started kicking their ass and Vince had no choice but to acknowledge it, um, they did, and this was I, this is one of the pivotal moments I think in the Monday Night Wars that kind of turned the you know turned the tables um, because frankly, when NWO started, WWF was I don't want to say boring, but it was not exciting necessarily to watch Monday Night Raw. It, there there weren't a lot of big moments. There wasn't a lot of big things happening. Um, you know, WCW and Eric Bischoff, frankly turned wrestling TV on its ear and created something completely new. You know, for, for years and years and years, TV wrestling was basically top guys beating enhancement talents, and every once in a while you'd get a, a big match here and there. You'd get an intercontinental title match or, you know, something along those lines. Um, and, and NWA slash WCW, they had their television title, so every, so you'd get, you know, fairly big kind of matches you would only get on a pay-per-view or a house show you know every six eight weeks something like that you'd get a, a real match between two guys that were names that were featured so <clears throat> you know once wcw started kicking the doors in for wwe they literally said well let's go kick their freaking door in and see what happens and it as great as this segment it, it was, and it, it's phenomenal that, that well, it wasn't it's just a segment. It was a, a thread throughout the whole show. They did multiple segments. I the only thing I, I regret is that WCW didn't let them in. Oh my god, why the fuck would you not open the doors and put them on your television? Like it's so oh oh it's the only part of this that was a missed opportunity, but absolute home run for WWF and I was 100% behind it. And it, and it's a, a clear-cut smear campaign. You know, it's it's basically just shitting all over the competition. I thought it was classic moment. That's why it made my list too. Uh, as much as you're, you know, kind of sneering at my list now, uh, <laughs> there is room for moments like these. Um, was that was that your two of two? No, that was my one of two. I just rambled because uh, you've got me all out of sorts here. So I'll try to be concise with my number five. Stone Cold Steve Austin ruins, ruins it. The debut of one Mike Tyson on Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin. God, JR is so good. 
this is this was like the first this was Vince McMahon's coming out party I think as far as a character because just the visual of you know going off the air to Austin getting arrested right like they they took him off in cuffs and Vince you ruined it you ruined it this was the single you know biggest moment in the Monday Night Wars in in tipping the balance here because even like there, there's a lot of stories. Kevin Sullivan is probably the most prominent where uh, they were watching this backstage at WCW and uh, this happened and he just turned to, to, you know, I can't remember who he, you know, who tells this story, um, but he just turns to the side and says, well, it's over. They won it. it, it <laughs> the wars are done because, you know, we had Dennis Rodman and Jay Leno. They've got fucking Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet. This shit's over, guys. <laughs> yeah, the biggest sports celebrity at the time. Like, he was, like, all over the news like at the time. And, and he's coming in on your show and putting over your main star, like, just being in the ring with him and allowing him to shove him, like, flip him off. Like, they, you know, the the most dangerous fighter in what we would call real a real sport, quote-unquote, yeah. you know, uh basically pretending he's on a level playing field with the professional wrestler really solidifies stone cold even more yeah he's a badass yeah. but let's 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 be real you know mike tyson would eat his face off literally yeah yeah but, yeah. <laughs> yeah at that point <laughs> but mike mike tyson was you know aware enough to do business and he and he got it and it, it was a huge moment and catapulted austin even further than he already had been well, I think one of the coolest things about this, too, is just learning how big of a wrestling fan Mike Tyson was. I mean, everyone that talks about it, he was so excited to be there, and he wanted to talk to everyone. He was like, oh, man, I remember Bruno San Martino back in the garden. I used to go. Like, he remembered all these old-timers, loved professional wrestling growing up. So, I mean, really cool moment. But, yeah, I mean, the the... <clears throat> This would basically be like if WWE brought in Conor McGregor today. That's about the only thing I could think of. That not out of the realm of impossibilities. Level. That is not oh. out of the realm of impossibilities. I see it happening one day. Oh, absolutely. Especially since they're going more towards a you know TV fourteen you know era again right now. So I I hope I really do hope someday it does happen because. Conor McGregor on TV. The problem is we got to find a top babyface or a top heel to make it, you know, national newsworthy. Well, yeah, Conor McGregor could be a real dick. I mean, just need that perfect babyface. But speaking of dicks, this is a story, an angle that took three weeks to culminate. And it was when the payoff happened, if you want to call it a payoff. I was going on a trip to Chicago, a cross-country trip on a, in a motorhome, and I missed the follow-up, and, and I remember ju it just ruined my day. But long, <laughs> long time ago, Val Venus decided to stick his dick into Mr. Yamaguchi's son's wife. And the next week, a very, a very, you know, you know understandable reaction, Mr. Yamaguchi's son came out and displayed a giant salami and a katana and proceeded to chop it in half. <laughs> then telling Val Venus that sooner or later he's going to Cole, please. I choppy choppy your pee pee. Excellent. And then the next week we have a very an long anticipated match between 
Val Venus and Takamishinoku versus Kai and Tai. May have been dick to go and Funaki, whatever the case. But the big swerve, bro, is that Takamishinoku turns on Val Venus and without being really into English at all in this time, points at Mrs. Yamaguchi and says, I don't remember. My sister! <laughs> All of Kai and Tai and Takamishinoku, with a crying Mrs. Yamaguchi in the background, all beat the shit out of Val Venus from the ring to the back, to downstairs, to a locker room, and then we go off the air with Kai and Tai tying Val Venus's arms to the ceiling with his dick displayed on a table, and we go off the air with a giant snip, indicating that Mr. Yamaguchi's son did in fact choppy choppy Val's peepee. Now, Cole. <laughs> do you have any idea where you were when this took place and can you give me your john madden drawn a screen expertise on how this was pulled off <laughs> so this is this is one of those things where i feel like they had an idea bro and <laughs> it was a great visual but they did not think of an escape route or how to explain this or have a payoff for any of this angle. They just wanted the visual of the guy swinging a sword at someone's dick. And so, as you said, they went off the air. Uh, Val Venus had a, a, a creative and interesting promo, I guess, to kind of explain this. He said, you know, somebody flipped the lights off and he uh, basically has Superman control over his peepee. And he was able to shrivel it up like a turtle head and make it disappear so as not to have it be chopped off. Yeah, see, like, I, I would, uh, I think John Wayne, the John Bobbitt guy should have did a run-in. Like, this can't, ha <laughs> this can't happen to somebody else. No. <laughs> that would have been at least a reasonable payoff um, for, for little return. But it would have been interesting to have John Wayne Bobbitt there uh, saving another man's pee-pee uh, -pee from being chopped off yeah so you can you can imagine my displeasure for not being able to tune in for the follow-up uh, uh yes I, I absolutely can imagine because that was a, a serious cliffhanger uh, especially for us being kind of teenagery boys at the time uh who um probably spends a little too much time with our peepees uh than we should have so uh you know it's like that joke going around right now where there's like 87 facts and like one of the the third facts is that your penis is three times the length of your thumb or whatever and then they say a bunch of other things and they say women have listened to all of this men are still looking at their thumbs you know so obviously uh all of all of us men were hooked and uh needed to know the payoff for and, and we needed to know that Valvenus's peepee was safe so. Yeah, yeah, that, which is why, you know, every time you every time you see me give someone a thumbs up, I'm not telling them that they did a good job or anything. I'm just reminding them. <laughs> Three times this. All right, so my number four moment in the history of all time in the annals of wrestling, as it were, the CM Punk pipe bomb promo. This was great. I got I, this is, again, one of those times I said, I'm going to watch Raw tonight. I got to see what's happening. There's lots of rumors about CM Punk, and we were treated to the all-time great shoot promo on national television. And, uh, I mean, again, something that they're trying to recreate to this day. You know, uh, MJF just cut his pipe bomb, so to speak, and we haven't seen him since. So 
Um, this is just one of those moments. He literally broke the fourth wall and commented about breaking the fourth wall and uh, said hi to Colt Cabana on national television. This and, was the uh, first time I ever heard New Japan Pro Wrestling be mentioned on on uh, WWE programming, too. Right. I mean, this was this was big time. I mean, they let him go for it here and really just say whatever he wanted. Um, they didn't cut him off until, you know, obviously until his outline. They made sure that he got all his shit in before they cut him off. This was a really great moment, and it, it, it really led to kind of one of the last, you know, hot eras of WWE. There's like, it's this, the yes movement, like that's that's it. And, and for the last 20 years, it's just kind of been like gaps. I mean, you know, the celebration of friendship, you know, that whole thing. There's not, or festival of friendship, sorry. Uh, there's there's just hasn't been that many great moments like this. and But this is really way up there on my list. Number four, the CM Punk pipe bomb. Yeah, this was another one of those moments where like, and, and this is me a little bit older too, going, what the fuck am I watching? This shouldn't be happening. And there, it's happening though. Like just name dropping The Rock by name, uh, name dropping Hogan. Uh, talking about Brock Lesnar, and this is before Brock Lesnar was even remotely even considering coming back. Just everything that was said was so freaking just, you know, he was kind of addressing, like, the smart fans' angst at the time, too. And, yes. And it, and it made him moreover, you know, he was already, like, the indie darling of the Federation, uh, the, the World Wrestling Entertainment. Everyone loved him dearly, but this, like, made it, solidified and and he got the other fans as well and this was one of those pivotal moments that can really make a guy and it was one of the classic examples where if the company ain't doing their part to strap the rocket to you well here's your 15 minutes kid go strap the rocket to yourself and motherfucker did that night yeah this is the epitome of go grab the brass ring right here and and they and he had a really long title run after this which was nice this was something like 400 days I mean, it was a long title run, but it, he still didn't get the main event at WrestleMania. He still didn't, you know, so. <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, we all saw how big an impact CM Punk has on a wrestling product right now today. And it's still based on, I think, this promo. I mean, he since he's joined AEW, their pay-per-view buy rates have gone up every single pay-per-view. So, and he made his return this week, I do believe. Yes, that was awesome. And boy, you know, yeah, a 400-day title reign only to be squashed by the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. And I'm only bringing that up for a nice transition for my number three. When you think of classic Raw feuds, at the tippy top of the list, it's got to be, got to be Kane versus Shane McMahon. Now, hear me out. Hear me out on this one. This took a turn for the worst, depending on how you define worst. When uh, the feud really took it to the next level, when Kane beat the crap out of Shane McMahon so bad that he tied him to the outside ring post and then proceeded to hook a car battery up to his balls. And nobody saved him. It just happened. He got his balls shocked by a car battery by the big red monster who really doesn't need to do anything like this. He could just literally beat the shit out of him. Why do you need to strap his nuts to a car battery? But it happened... And Shane McMahon got his comeuppance when he lit him on fire because that's what you do to Kane. And, uh, yeah. Cole, do you have any fond memories of uh, Vince McMahon's son getting his balls shocked? I, I have no recollection of this whatsoever. Oh, um, please put it in whatever search machine you have. Because, boy, that would be a good 
opportunity for Undertaker to come out the next week and tell Kane that what he did last week was truly shocking. I'll just do it for you. Yeah, lots of genitalia is making my list today. <laughs> oh. So since I have nothing to add, my number three moment of all time, I think for me, uh, I don't, I, I, you know, without going back through my notes, this is definitely way up there on the greatest debuts of all time. Uh, definitely one of the greatest promo segments of all the time. Chris Jericho's debut, the countdown clock finally hits zero and we get Y2J. <clears throat> and uh, he debuts during the middle of the Rock's in-ring promo. Just a fantastic debut. His three-minute promo is one of the all-time greats. And then Rock's rebuttal is absolutely fantastic. It's one of the moments when the Rock wasn't just doing catchphrases and silly nonsense. <laughs> a who? What the heck is a hooven, dude? <laughs> So it's one of my favorite promos of all time. Uh, I My sister memorized this promo. I think at some point she even did the little Jericho hairdo and performed this promo for us at some point. Absolutely great. It's, I I can't, you know, I can't think of a better debut. Ever. Yeah, no, I was about to you say know? you're being a little too humble. This is the greatest debut that's ever taken yeah. place on Raw, maybe in wrestling for, for my money. Uh, and we've solidified it as the best debut of all time on our debut episode. Go back in the archives, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's true. It's been over a year since we did that. Yes. Wow. Yes, sir. Yeah, I got, I got nothing more to add other than, yes, I do believe that's the greatest debut ever. And Chris Jericho can hang his hat on that. And I would not argue with him at all. All. But what I would hang my hat on is the next level of awesome that this segment had. And this is the only time we're probably ever going to talk about this gentleman. I'm sure it is. Oh, yes. And I. <laughs> and the way, the way this list took a, took a hard left turn for you, I'm sure this is the only time we're going to talk about whatever this bullshit is. Well, as, mu <laughs> as many dicks and genitalia has been on here, I, you know, the only turns I can take is a hard one. So, uh, but this is a hard turn because the visual is fantastic. The angle is shit, but this was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And me and a fellow friend of ours, uh, Tyler, Ty Matthews, we proceeded to laugh for about two months after it happened. <laughs> Accurate. And I'm just going to title this as Snitsky Punts a Baby. Oh, yes. It's not his fault that he's on this list, and it's not his fault that he got this creative. And you know what? He'd be, oh. he'd be a good subject for taking up a creative. I'm just going to throw it out there right now. But <laughs> Lita is with child, and he, uh, she may or may not be having Kane or Matt Hardy's baby. It turns out that she's having Kane's baby. And in the middle of all of this, uh, Snitsky uh, kind of comes to fruition and uh, accidentally knocks over Lita, thus causing her to miscarry. And uh, births the catchphrase. It wasn't my fault. So Snitsky would come out with a with a you know a toy baby, and like proceed to pretend that he kind of gives a shit, but then swerves everybody and then just punts the baby into the audience. <laughs> the greatest, funniest, not supposed to be funny moment I've ever seen in my life. Like I can tell this was going. They were going for heat, but it was all laughter. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and Snitsky was a made man from then on, let's be honest.
<laughs> yeah, this is kind of as as good as really awful gets. I mean, this is one of those moments. Strap in. <laughs> yeah. I need a strap in shirt for this show. <laughs> It's like you immediately oh. know where it's going to oh. go. Oh. So. <laughs> oh. Oh. So. <laughs> I had to go back and rewatch these. My top two. I, I had the. I, I initially had the order reversed. But I went back and watched. And so I'm going with. This is your life rock as the number two moment in raw history. This is one of those things that feels like everything I hate about professional wrestling rolled up into one. It's just a 30 minute never ending segment of two guys talking in the ring, but it is magic. It is it's comedic magic. It's a little it it it's just a little bit of like genuine emotion of of Mick trying desperately to show the rock how much he appreciates him and loves him but like failing so epically <laughs> to give him anything of like real value it's like he's like trying to do this this is your life segment and everything is a total miss and just total blunder and underwhelming but it's just comedy gold. Mick and Rock in this segment is just amazing. It's riveting television. And it's, for my money, the greatest segment in the history of Monday Night Raw. I love it. I adore it. It's amazing. Go watch it, ladies and gentlemen. My number two. And the stories behind it, like, you know, this was supposed to be, this was slotted for a 15-minute segment, and it ended up going 32 or something like that. Yes, it's just insane. Just because they were behind the, the desk on their headphones going, this is too good, just keep going. Yeah, just let it go. Fuck, yeah, which fuck is. that hardcore match. Yeah, which is not something that's, like, wildly talked about. Like, you, you waste time on my television, you're fired. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, The one of the, the all-time Bubba bubba dudley you know uh lines they went like eight eight or 13 minutes over on a segment or match whatever on monday night raw turning on and he gets to the back and vince goes pal you ever go that that far over on time again on my show you better make sure it's that damn good <laughs> i love that story i love that story it's, it's when they turned on right to censor yeah and it's one of those moments where it feels like that the Dudleys became made men in that moment because they had the balls to go way over their time in a, in an era where they're trying to cram everything into two hours, and and it's great. And Vince just goes, "Pal, that was brilliant. You know, it was fantastic television." So, uh, yeah, this is your life, Rock. Is is phenomenal i'm gonna watch that i you know i've got a lot of youtubing going on after this podcast today so well speaking of balls and cramming i had two entries for my number one and they both involved coffins they both involved entry <laughs> they did actually speaking of bad taste what's better than necrophilia 
I don't know. Uh, nothing apparently, since it's number one on your list. I think the 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 uh, the censorship gods are are in full swing because right now the construction is is getting a little more loud in my house. Like, please don't say this segment. It has no. <laughs> reason to be talked about ever it shouldn't have happened and there's literally you can't blame russo for this because he wasn't here for it don't say it redeemable quality to this segment oh but there is the punchline at the end (laughs) it's so great they're just drilling away and dude ron's like god damn it actually it's fitting because speaking of (laughs) drilling away In an effort to get under Kane's skin, Triple H donned a Kane mask and proceeded to have simulated sex with a dead body in a casket. Well, a fake dead body. Let's just let's yes, not not let's, a real dead body, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, no, yeah, it wasn't yeah. Wasn't a shoot dead body. Yeah, last week I alluded that Marl Ronaldo's dead, but you know. Uh, <laughs> He's very much alive, and uh, this person was very much fake and not really dead, just uh, just working dead. Uh, so, Triple H's story is that there was a backstory of Lacane being in a car accident with a lady named Katie Vick. And uh, she unfortunately passed away, and, you know, Triple H, being a douchebag bully, alluded to the fact that, hey, you never gone all the way with Katie Vick, but did you do it after she was dead? I know, right? You're shaking your head, and so is the audience at home, who has has no idea that this took place. So, Triple H proceeds to have a segment in order to, you know, again, get under Kane's skin uh, by having simulated sex with a corpse in a Kane mask in a funeral home. And uh, to this day, uh, Vince McMahon defends it as one of the funniest segments he's ever produced. So, Cole, Uh since it is one of the funniest segments Vince has ever produced... Clearly, this has to make the list, right? I mean, I this is one of those I assumed was going to make your list um, because it's you. And it's pretty much the most offensive and just over-the-top awful things they've ever done on Monday Night Raw as far as bad taste goes. There's been stuff that was way worse than this, you know, as far as just being boring and awful and stupid. Um, but the go-home line... I fucked your brains out is just, just special. Well, he didn't say fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine if he did? I just fucked your brains out. uh." (laughs) No, yeah, he just a handful of chocolate ice cream and says, I just screwed your brains out. Yeah. And, you know, if anyone knows, you know, you know, dead body prep, there's no brain in there. Oh, God. There is that. Do you know dead body prep, Cole? No, I don't. I, this is not something I ever discussed with uh, handsome Johnny Starr as to how they do all this stuff. Oh. So there's that. We've already talked about the number one, so we might as yeah. well go with oh, your number course. one next, right? Of, of course. Yes. So, uh, as I said, uh, initially I had This Is Your Life as my number one, and then I went back and rewatched this match. Um, and so the reason this match is number one for me is one because it's a great wrestling match. I did rewatch it this morning as I was making my breakfast just to make sure that this was okay to put as my number one. But um, with everything involved in this, 
the night before this Monday Night Raw, Eddie Guerrero passed away. And it was devastating. Um, actually, two nights before this. He passed away right before the pay-per-view on Saturday evening. And that Sunday uh, was the only time I wrestled my brother and my sister in a professional wrestling match in front of human beings. We had a three-way match as our kind of tribute to Eddie Guerrero, who was my favorite wrestler at the time and is my all-time number two favorite wrestler in the history of professional wrestling. So on Monday, when they did the tribute show, and Shawn Michaels comes down to the ring, and his opponent for this night is Rey Mysterio. Um, it was just a special, special moment with all the real emotion involved in the real life stuff. These two had never worked together before, never worked together after this in any in you know any kind of actual match, singles or tag. And they just went out and had 15 minutes of magic. And, and, and I watched again this morning. This is probably the only time in Sean's entire career where he kind of got to be a little bit of a bully heel type position in a match. Because Ray is so much smaller than Shawn Michaels. And this match is just littered with brilliant storytelling. It's Ray going for the 619 multiple times and Sean just running, ducking, getting out of the way for it. And finally, Ray hits him with a, ra a Hurricane Rana. Sean hangs on the second rope. Ray smacks him dead in the face with the 619 and then hits the springboard leg drop and absolutely crushes Sean's face with his leg drop. And Ray Mysterio, clean in the middle of the ring, beats arguably the greatest professional wrestler of all time, Shawn Michaels. This is the biggest moment of Rey Mysterio's life. Like, uh, yes, he won the title. He did all this, but he beat Shawn Michaels clean in the middle of the ring. Um, both of them just giving a tribute to one of the all-time great professional wrestlers. And it is just a magical moment where real life intersects with intersects with professional wrestling and story. And we just got this absolutely magical moment that meant so much to me as a human being um, just at that time. And it's to this day, my favorite Monday night raw moment of all time. And it's just head and shoulders to me above everything else. And it, it wasn't an angle. It wasn't, about a, you know something wild and crazy it was just about professional wrestling and two guys showing love to someone they just lost that was a friend to them and uh it's just a magical moment and i absolutely adore this match well that is certainly one way to follow necrophilia yes <laughs> yeah that's a very an emotional time uh i it's it's crazy that that's your number one moment um but uh, yeah, like what better number one moment could you have if you're an Eddie Guerrero fan? And and yeah, when you blur the lines and 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 it wasn't like creative blurring the lines. This was cards that life dealt the wrestling world and wrestling adapted and was a great segment of television. And it really pulled the heartstrings. It was a great chainsaw. Charlie's here. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> 
So what are you having done, by the way? I'm having my floors redone. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, yeah. So I am going to have a little bit of audio in here. Now I know what Corny goes through with his uh, castle yeah, construction. Yeah, he's having construction and all that, yeah. Yeah, but it's all good. It's It just means that I'm doing well, and, you know, I'm fixing up my house. And, you know, we're and it just means that we're doing what we can to get the show to our to the ears of our listeners. Now, Cole, I'm going to try. I, I've had fun with you today, but I do have a serious list that I'll give you because I think okay. <laughs> I think I think there is a I think there are glaring missing segments from even your list. Number ten, Stone Cold saves Stephanie. I don't care what you say. That is a moment for me. I I that that is one of my serious moments. So number ten, Stone Cold saves Stephanie. Number nine, Bret Hart's first shoot promo where he shoves Vince on his ass and says this is bullshit live on the air. I almost cried, like because this is my hero having a having a meltdown, and this was I had to talk about it today. Uh, Tyson and Austin, we matched there. CM Punk's pipe bomb, we matched there. Jericho's debut, we matched there. Mankind wins the title. Ric Flair's real retirement is what I titled this uh, column. Uh, that whole Raw is some of the most tear-jerking segments you'll ever see, especially the end. Uh, Eric Bischoff's debut. Uh, Brett and Sean patch things up. And then DX invades Nitro. Okay, hold on. So, <clears throat> Brett and Sean is the only time in my life other than my sister, okay? So we just have to take all of the moments with my sister out. In prof- So as far as just being a fan of professional wrestling... Brett returning to Monday Night Raw was the only time I legitimate cried watching professional wrestling. Like, Ric Flair's, you know, I'm sorry, I love you was close. But, like, when Brett was standing in the ring and him and Sean Sean hugged and him and Vince, you know, buried the hatchet and Brett got to be back in the WWE, like, I legitimately cried because... He he meant so. I mean, to this day, continues to mean everything to me as far as professional wrestling goes. Like without Bret Hart, we're not sitting here talking today. Period. There's no other wrestler that that at that time that could have got me nearly as hooked as Bret did. And so, um, I've got no problem with with Bret returns uh, being on the list. Good. Uh, yeah, I had to. I had to give you my serious list right right off the bat. Uh, just just in rapid fire, just because there was a bunch of moments that I legit like popped for and just remember to this day. But you know, this is our show, pal, and uh, I like to have fun and we like to laugh. Uh, so we got like you know, thirty moments out of this. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'll just and- say that my entire list are honorable mentions. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Katie Vick, solid honorable mention. Absolutely. So, with your serious list, <laughs> that gives us seven that we absolutely agree on. So, um, it's not uh, not too bad here. Well, once Sorry. you actually see Stone Cold Safe Stephanie, you'll agree with me on that one. Uh, then I will just add it to the list now. Yeah, everything else is kind of, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, I would like to say let's add Brett's return. Let's just add that to the list. Oh yeah, I thought I thought that was one of the seven we agreed on. Uh, well, that's the number eight that we agree on. Definitely deserves to be on here. So, uh, let me finish compiling here. 
Wait, no. What's the rest of your list? What 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 didn't we match on? Uh, Sean and and uh, Ray. This is your life, Rock. Those are the two that I feel like for our last spot, one of those two needs to go on here, and uh, I'll take whatever you want to give me. I'll go with this is your life. That segment is probably world renowned as like the raw segment of segments. Or right, now we have nine, so we need one more. Um, I, you know what, sneaky. I kind of like the Bischoff debut. Oh man, I thought you said Snitsky instead of sneaky. No. No, not Snitsky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've we've touched on every chapter of WCW going under, and this debut was like a glimpse into the future. It's like, oh, the, the whole, like, what now thought we've been having since WCW went under? This is it. Bischoff's here. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> and it is right. one of those classic moments. Another, another entry into our top debuts of all time. All right, so we are we good then? We're solidified? I'm We're good, good then. If you have a list, right. I'm ready to shout out numbers. Number 10. Eric Bischoff's debut. Nine. Bret Hart returns to the WWF after the screw job. Eight. Stone Cold Steve Austin saves Stephanie McMahon from forced marriage. Seven. Stone Cold Steve Austin beer truck. Six. This is your life rock. Five. Mick Foley wins the world title. Four. The DX Invasion. Three. Stone Cold ruins Mike Tyson's debut. Two. The CM Punk pipe bomb. One. For the second time, number one on a list, Chris Jericho's debut. Yes, look at that. (laughs) More bragging he can do on Twitter. (laughs) Yes, he is a two-time winner of the creative team top ten lists. Uh, yeah, tell your friends, Chris. Tell your friends. Ser- no, seriously, tell your friends. Yes, please tell your friends. Well, next week, uh, you know, hopefully, if all goes well, we'll, you know, have somebody pretty serious who can tell their friends that we have a great podcast. So I'm really looking forward to talking to Lanny Poffo. Uh, I-, I will just apologize to all the fans now. Uh, there will be a moment when on air I am going to uh, express my feelings to this man and how much he, the one day, we got to spend with him meant to me in my wrestling life. So be prepared for that. Ladies and gentlemen, I might cry next week. Hey, Hey, there's a shocker. (laughs) Well, I'm just going to ask how big his dick is. I'm tired of this rumor. (laughs) I'm tired of this rumor literally swinging around. I just want, I just want to, you know, I want to know for sure. Like, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, are you, are you lengthy Lanny Poffo? Like everyone's saying, let's, let's be real here. It's the first thing we're going to ask. Yeah, we'll make it we'll make it perfectly clear right away that we don't take ourselves seriously and this podcast is about having fun and uh friendship and fellowship. So <laughs> Exactly. Welcome to the creative team. Let's look at that dong. <laughs> oh, yes. Is Lanny in the bracket? I think there's definitely a spot for Lanny Poffo on the greatest wrestlers of the 80s list. So, we could we can maybe make that happen. Maybe just his penis will be on the bracket. <laughs> Lanny Poffo's legendary dick. Yeah. The penis. <laughs> <laughs> Lengthy Lanny Poffo is my favorite thing. <laughs> oh, I hope he doesn't check this out before, right before we're about to record with him and he goes, fuck these guys. <laughs> Yeah, like, can you imagine if we have our first walkout ever on, on this show? 
and it just happens to be the biggest star we've had. <laughs> oh man! Well, tune in, ladies and gentlemen. Just tune in. Yes, lots of fun and shenanigans to be had over the next two episodes of the show. So, for Ron Kilborn, I am your host, Cole Dawson, saying thank you, we love you, and good night. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130. And follow yours truly at Ron underscore Kilborn. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team. Team.